0: Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Our mission, to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. Jesus is risen. Yeah. I used to think it was kind of funny, As kind of traditional, sounds like, you know, Jesus is risen, why not? Jesus has risen. I think it's emphasized that he continues to be risen. And uh, on an annual basis, this year is a little bit different, but we would celebrate just the most important Annual celebration on the Christian calendar. And so we would celebrate accordingly. We'd hide eggs for the kids and, you know, I mean, the Easter bunny would hide eggs for the kids. When they got a little older, we would do uh, a scavenger hunt. We'd give them clues and they'd have to follow it around the house. And for a while, we had a tradition of cooking a spiral ham to celebrate. And you think, well, what does that have to do with Easter? Not much. You know, how do we make resurrection real to the kids? How do we make resurrection real to us i think it's a great idea to take your kids and lock them up in a tomb for three days and they can really get a sense you know when you let them out happy easter right what does it mean that jesus rose from the dead i mean we know what it means but what does it mean how do we make resurrection real um the other big holiday that we have is, is christmas i love christmas and but without without the crucifixion and the resurrection see christmas is fantastic Idea of God Himself putting on human flesh and coming to visit humanity, but without the crucifixion, without resurrection, it's just a visit. He comes and He goes. As Wade said earlier, because He rose, we will rise. And that's a, it's fair, this is being preached across North America, but it's more than that. It's more than because He rose, we will rise. And we're going to talk about that today. I'm going to read a passage from uh, First Corinthians, it's quite a lengthy passage. I don't normally read a passage this long. It specifically speaks to resurrection and the meaning of the resurrection, but sometimes we read too short. That's why it's gonna be a little bit longer. And the context of the passage, it's, it's part of a letter that Paul wrote a couple of thousand years ago to one of the early churches and the message was going around that there is no resurrection. The idea that Jesus came and we have some spiritual transformation and that's it. And you have to understand, too, that this message is going around in the world today. Jesus is a powerful symbol of change. Jesus is a powerful symbol of transformation, and that's it. And the idea is that his disciples recognized that he returned to them in spirit, which is kind of funny because we do that at funerals today all the time. You know, he lives on in my heart. That's not what they were saying. The Greek word that's translated resurrection is simply the word to stand up. And that was not a word that was ever used for, say, a ghost. And they believed in ghosts. Wade said it earlier. Jesus didn't come back as a ghost. The disciples were in a storm uh, on the lake, and and it was was really deadly. And all of a sudden, they saw Jesus coming to walk in the water. What did they say? Look, it's a ghost. They didn't say, look, there's resurrected Jesus. When they thought that, that... Peter had been killed, and he wasn't, he was miraculously delivered by an angel, and he went to the prayer meeting that was prayer meeting for, praying for him, and, and the person that went to the door said, oh look, his angel is here, the idea that it's a, a spiritual manifestation of him, they never said that about Jesus, they said he rose from the dead, he stood up, he was resurrected, it very specifically was a claim that he was dead and now he is no longer dead in any way, physically or otherwise. And so this is what Paul writes to this church that is having this controversy. Is there resurrection or isn't there? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 to 28. I'm going to skip a bit in the middle so it's not too long. And he says this. He says, tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching Is useless and your faith is useless and we apostles would all be lying about God for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave but that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead and if there's no resurrection of the dead then Christ has not been raised and if Christ has not been raised then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. And here's where I'm going to skip a bit. Jump ahead. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God, the father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power for Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies between his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself, who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority, so that God who gave his Son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything Everywhere. See, the the crucifixion of Jesus is, is meaningless without the resurrection. Wade said it earlier, Jesus wasn't just a martyr. And there were martyrs. There were people that were crucified. There were martyrs, heroes. Some were followers of Jesus, some were not. Spartacus was a big one. He was crucified. And he died, and he's remembered. That's it. But without the resurrection, Jesus is just another martyr. And again, his, his resurrection was, was physical. People didn't come back from the dead. Sometimes we look back and we think those people back then were stupid. They think people came back from the dead. They, they knew. They weren't dumb. Even in Greek mythology, people would come back. But they came back as ghosts. When people were dead, they stayed dead. But without the resurrection, the crucifixion of Jesus is Meaningless the resurrection of Jesus is also somewhat insignificant without the crucifixion. See, we don't just preach a triumphant Messiah. We don't just depend on that, but a Messiah who went to the lowest. He suffered the worst kind of death that would normally disqualify somebody from being any kind of hero or a Messiah. Crucifixion didn't happen to Messiahs. Messiahs won. They didn't lose. But the the controversial message is that this isn't just the resurrected Messiah, but it's the resurrected Messiah who was crucified, which turns everything on its head, that God goes from the highest place to the lowest place and emerges victorious. And the resurrection is actually not even the end of the story. And this is sometimes something we forget, and it's, we celebrate the, the resurrection on Easter, but it wasn't the end of Jesus' trajectory. When, when Jesus was on that mountain with his disciples and they had this, they had this vision, or uh, they, they saw Jesus as he truly was. It's called the transfiguration. He's standing there with two of the greatest prophets in Israel's history, Moses and Elijah. And, uh, and it's, the witnesses write this down. We see this in the gospels. They say he was talking to them about his exodus. What is an exodus? The exodus wasn't his death. The Exodus wasn't his resurrection. The Exodus was his leaving to be with the Father. And that was his trajectory. See, it wasn't just Jesus rises from the dead to prove that he's the Messiah, although it was that. It was Jesus rises from the dead so he will ascend to the right hand of the Father and take his place of authority. And that's where Paul ends up in this passage. He takes the place of authority, the highest authority in all creation. And it all comes full circle because everything is created through Christ we see that numerous times in scriptures and it everything is created for Christ so that the creation that became corrupted was redeemed by its creator Jesus goes from the top all the way to the bottom to death emerges from the grave and ascends back to the right hand of the father to the place of authority and rule where he makes everything right I mean let's be honest because he rose, we will rise. God didn't require Jesus' resurrection in order to raise us from the dead. Other people were raised from the dead. In the Old Testament, you know, Elijah, there's a kid that dies, and Elijah, Elijah miraculously raises him from the dead. Jesus did it a number of times. You know, there was that little girl, the, the, the daughter of the synagogue ruler. Um, there was the widow's son. And Lazarus is the most famous one. Jesus' resurrection is not necessary for our resurrection. Jesus' resurrection is necessary For him to ultimately triumph over death itself. And that's what matters. So the resurrection reveals a few things. It reveals, sure, Jesus is the Messiah. He was not disqualified by his crucifixion. He's God's chosen one. It also reveals what he's done. That he has overcome death. He's broken the power of sin and its result, which is death. And he's opened the way that was closed between us and God. Now there's unimpeded access to God without a convoluted sacrificial system, because Jesus achieved that through his death and resurrection. But it also reveals what he is doing as he's raised to authority. He's renewing all of creation. He's restoring all things. In defeating death, he turned the corner on God's plan. In emerging from the grave, his closest followers recognized this is where it happens. Actually, they still didn't get it because one of the first things they asked is, "When are you going to restore Israel?" And Jesus said, "It's not the time for you. Don't know the, it's not your place to know the time when all these things happen." Because they were expecting that he was going to immediately implement an earthly kingdom, and that's not what happened. In fact, we still live in sort of that in between, waiting for his ultimate return to ultimately culminate what God intends for his creation—the ultimate restoration. Sometimes we go, "Well, when?" When can't it, why can't it happen sooner? And the Bible's very clear. God is waiting for more people to turn to him because he, he would rather that nobody would spend eternity without him. And so we are in that middle place. The middle place can be tough to be. When I was at West, I was working for a church, and uh, there came a point, I'd been there for a few years, and uh, we were pretty settled in. Um, gone through some difficult times and kind of made it through that. And we're seeing some effectiveness in ministry, but the church as a whole was really struggling financially. And so they called an emergency meeting for all of the members. they were going to have a service, a a meeting after the service, and they were going to decide whether or not they could keep me on staff. And so it was a little bit nerve wracking. You know, we don't know. And so we left. We, they didn't allow us at the meeting. You know, we had to recuse ourselves—that's the official term—and we went home. And the one nice thing about it was the earliest I was ever home after church. Then we sat at home and we waited and waited. And Michelle and I were talking, like, should I prepare a resume? Like, what do I do? Do I start seeing where there are jobs available? We waited. We waited, expecting somebody maybe to phone us, and nobody phoned. So after a while, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes, I, I called the church. And it rang and rang and rang, and nobody answered. Now I'm getting a little worried. Like, nobody's given us any notification. We're just, we're just waiting. We're, we're waiting sort of on the edge. And so finally I said, like, i, I got to figure this out. Like, tomorrow's my day off. I don't know if I have a day off, if I'm still employed. I have no idea what's going on. So I drove all the way back to the church, all the way back. It was like it's a five-minute drive, small town. So I, I go back, and there's somebody locking the doors. And I said, "So, what's going on? Like, what happened to the meeting?" It goes, "Oh no, you're good. You're, you're still on staff." Oh, great! Thanks for letting me know. But some of us are living in that waiting spot. We feel like we're waiting, and we feel like I don't know what's going on. We're in the middle of a pandemic. My life's not moving forward. Everything looks bad. I'm on edge. And I think sometimes this is our, it's our Christian outlook, right? So we become a follower of Jesus. We cross that line of faith. We're now welcomed in God's family. And then we just wait until Jesus returns. That's what we do. We just wait. We live our lives as normal. There's no change, no transformation. We just, we're just waiting. See, I think sometimes we forget that God is still at work. He's transforming the world in anticipation of his return. But we're living as if it's still Saturday between Good Friday and Easter. Wade mentioned that Jesus appeared to uh, his disciples after his resurrection and to up to 500 witnesses. as what scripture says. You know who he didn't appear to? He didn't show himself to Pilate or Herod or the high priest or Caesar. He showed himself to his own people. His goal was not to overcome the doubt of the skeptic. He didn't return from the dead to win an argument. He came and revealed himself to his witnesses so they would continue to be his witnesses to foreshadow his return. To live out the age to come to live out the resurrection life. He revealed himself to his witnesses. See, the, the resurrection of Jesus is the first of all of God's family. And that's what Paul says in that pack, passage, in, in the, those couple of paragraphs. And Jesus was the first of all of God's family to be raised from the dead. And we live as his witnesses. See, that. The transformation of the individual follower of Jesus is the first sign of the transformation of all creation. As we walk through, as we live through transformation, we reveal what God is planning on doing to all creation. We hopefully do that well. Sometimes we don't. If we just cross that line of faith and then we just wait, we are not demonstrating what the resurrection is. Evil conquered in the life of a follower of Jesus is a foreshadowing of the ultimate conquering of evil in all of creation. So what do we need to do? How do we do this? The first thing is we have to apply the resurrection to our life on a daily basis. It's not, it's not the efforts that we make because we can't make resurrection happen in our life. It's, it's sort of a, a submission to God's process in our life. We allow him to apply the resurrection to our life. I wonder what, what our days would be like if we started every day with, Lord, apply your resurrection life, your resurrection transformation of my life today. And then we would submit himself to his process. And sometimes, to get to the resurrection of life, you have to go through the grave. Because there's, there's parts of us, our old nature, that have to die off. And that can be a, a difficult um. A very difficult thing to go through. But there's resurrection life, there's transformation on the other side of it. The first thing we need to do is apply the resurrection to our lives as we submit to the direction of His Spirit. That's the first thing. The second thing is to demonstrate that, to live it out. To live out the transformed life. And we're all in process, but we demonstrate, we live out the life of being transformed as His Spirit works in us from the inside out. It doesn't happen through structures and rules and and external expectations, his spirit brings that light from the inside out. The first thing is apply the resurrection. The second is demonstrate the life being transformed as his crucifixion and resurrection takes effect in all the areas of your life. And the third thing is to be witnesses. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness does two things. The first is passive, the second is active. A witness is somebody who has experienced or is experiencing somebody. That's passive. So we experience the transformation. But the second thing a witness does, say a witness called on in a court of law, they don't just experience or see something. As a witness, they testify to it. And here's sometimes in North America where we drop the ball. We experience resurrection transformation. We can see it happening in our life. And then when somebody asks about it, we go, yeah. And we pretend that we're just nice people. We have to connect the dots for people. A witness testifies to what they've seen and heard. And our testimony is the testimony of Jesus, the resurrected life. We are testifying to the Messiah who went to the cross and rose again to triumph over death. And that's true regardless of whatever circumstances we're in. Sometimes we live our lives at the, at the mercy of the circumstances around us. And it's when circumstances are at their worst that our light can shine the brightest. We're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, which has never happened this way ever in history. And we're experiencing lockdowns, and, and it's a great time for the world to come together and unite to defeat this together. And we haven't done that. There's more division than ever. Division in opinions, there's people succumbing to despair, there's people reacting with resentment and accusation, and increased division. And in this context, the demonstration and witness, the demonstration and testimony of the transformed life has the opportunity to shine like never before. When people don't have peace, when people are struggling, when people are suffering, and we may be struggling and suffering too, but we have the resurrection life within us, giving us love and hope and joy and peace. And what a testimony that is. Not because we're nice people, but because we're resurrection transformed people with God's spirit working through us. when the world's falling apart, how much more do we have the opportunity to make the resurrection real? It's not about having arguments with people. It's not about demonstrating a historical fact. It's about living it out and demonstrating it because that's what people are going to grab onto. See, when Jesus rose from the dead and he went to the Father, he released his spirit and his spirit goes to each one of us. It's his spirit that was localized in his body, that is now distributed into the lives and bodies of every follower of Jesus that does the work from the inside out. And he gives us peace. He gives us assurance. He gives us hope. He empowers us. He allows us to be that testimony as he works through us and speaks through us. In fact, we had somebody last week at Crossroads Church during the service. They texted me afterwards and said, you know, I had a message from the spirit for... The community today. And I'm going to share that message right now. And it's, it's exactly in line with this. And it says this. And I, I want you to listen to it and, and, and ask yourself, don't be skeptical and cynical. Just put that to the side for a minute. Is this talking about you? And there's some imagery in there that you might even recognize. And if you do, if this is something you've been thinking about that, you have to recognize that God is speaking to you. And the message God gave was this. God is asking someone to be transformed, to say yes, to get involved. To trust him all the way. Someone feels they are a wheel that is stuck in the mud. No matter how strongly they try to get that wheel back up and finally rolling again, the wheel stumbles and gets stuck again. Someone may even have gotten a vision or dreamed of something stuck. God said, do not be a wheel anymore. Get up and leave the wheel behind. You do not need to carry it or get it out of the mud anymore. You are loved. I choose you. Everything else you are carrying can stay behind. You are free from the mud and the wheel be transformed. Say yes, get up and go, trust me, and I will lead you all the way. And maybe you're here today in person, or maybe you're watching online and, and you've never experienced that transformation because you've never given Jesus your allegiance. You've been living on your own. You're, you're, you're doing things your own way. You, you are a subject of the circumstances. You don't, you don't know what that resurrection life is. And I want to I give you the opportunity to enter into God's family today. I want to give you the opportunity to say yes to him and to begin be, to be transformed by his spirit from the inside out, and it's, 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 it's the most important. It's a difficult decision, but it's, it's not a complicated decision. It's quite simple. It's as simple as ABC. And the A stands for acknowledgement, to acknowledge, to admit, I need God in my life. I'm not making it on my own. I'm struggling. Maybe you're struggling with despair. Maybe you're struggling with not belonging. Maybe you're struggling with dealing with certain habits over and over and over and over again that you can't you can't change, and you know it's self-destructive. Admit your need. And then B is believe, not just as a as hold an opinion but to give courageous trust to, to give allegiance to. I am believing, I'm trusting in Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection as the means for true life. And that's not just for this life, it's for eternity because the promise is that when we say yes to God, that resurrection life is available to us in our transformation and character development, but also in our physical existence forever. And then C is to commit, to give Jesus our full allegiance. And so there's a turn that happens there. We turn from our old way. We turn from our old life and we turn to him and say, yes, I'm going to do it your way. And this is where we submit to his spirit working in our life to bring the transformation. This is where we, 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 we work in obedience with him, we participate with his mission, we become those witnesses to the transformation, we demonstrate it, and we testify to it, we give testimony to everyone. Jesus is working to renew all of creation, and we are called to testify that in foreshadowing of of his ultimate fulfillment. And so, if you are doing this ABC today, I want to lead you in a prayer, and I want you to Um, Even if you can, say the words out loud. I'll try to to pray slowly. But make these words yours. And pray something like this. Father in heaven. I know that you are good. I admit. I acknowledge that I'm not making it without you. I'm choosing to believe today. I'm choosing to trust. In the crucifixion. And resurrection of Jesus that makes for your forgiveness and for your welcome of me into your family. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if this is something that you are praying today for the first time, please connect with us. We are a community of followers of Jesus, and we were not made to walk alone. We're not made to live this out alone. We need one another. And so we'd love to help you in your new spiritual journey. So go to crossons.live. That's our access point. And, um, and click the Follow Jesus button. Give us your contact information. And we'll get a hold of you. And, and we'll help you with next steps in following Jesus. We are still living in the, in the now and the not yet. We're still living in between. But we are living the life of the age to come. We are called to make the resurrection real. Visible. Practical. As our lives are transformed. And so live the transformed life, live the resurrected life. No matter what comes your way, God's love is available for you. I want to finish today with a couple of verses from another letter that Paul wrote. He wrote it to the Roman church, and he says this I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Father, today we thank you for for your love. We thank you for calling us into your family. Father, may we submit to your processes and be transformed. Increase our faith and our faithfulness. And help us to be effective witnesses. Without fear and with boldness. To give testimony that the transformation in our life is due to Jesus' crucifixion and Jesus' resurrection as we live out the resurrection life. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.